This is episode 117 on Producing with Care with Megan Kingery. We are spending more and more time in the online world, looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us. But studies have proven that it's real-life meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness. It's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds. Worlds change when eyes meet. So let's sit down and relate. Hello, this is Patrick McAndrew, and welcome to another episode of Relate. Today we have a very special guest joining us. She is a producer of everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. She's done it all. She's done stage work. She's done screen work. She's done books and digital media and a wide variety of other different mediums, graphic novels as well. And today we have her on the Relate podcast to talk about her career as a producer. We talk a lot of good things in this episode, like the importance of building something that will last a long time. She also talks with us on how to choose what we produce, that it's important to have stamina as a producer, and why she wants to produce pieces of work that represent human values. We discuss the importance of believing in something and why it's so crucial for producers to take care of their mental health. So if you're thinking, oh my gosh, this sounds like an amazing episode. Who is this person you are interviewing? Well, her name is Megan Kingery, and she is the executive producer of Poe Global and Tony-nominated producer of everything. She served as creative producer of Blue Man World, which was Blue Man Group's first exploration into print. Her other notable projects include Natasha, Pierre, and The Great Comet of 1812, which gave her a Tony nomination. Fun Home was another project that she was behind, which won the Tony Award, and she was also an investor of Hand to God, which received a Tony nomination. Megan is also the executive producer of The Subject, a feature film by Chisa Hutchinson, directed by Lanny Zapoy, and Adam Mann, not his real name, which is a new play based on Caught in the Pulpit, Leaving Belief Behind by Daniel C. Dennett and Linda Lascola, in development with The Civilians. Megan is also the creative producer of Particle Fever, which is a new musical in development with the book and lyrics by David Henry Huang and music by Bear McCreary. On top of all of that, Megan has also been an experiential producer of the In Her Shoes campaign for Santander Bank, winner of Best Experiential and Best Tech for Good Ideas Award, and Best Experiential for AICP. It goes without saying that Megan has a lot of producing experience under her belt, and I cannot wait to share this episode with you all, especially if you're interested in the world of producing. 
If you like this episode and you think it's going to resonate a lot with perhaps one of your friends, or perhaps you know somebody who works in the entertainment industry who is interested in learning more about producing, please send this episode their way. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Relate Podcast. So enough of my talking. It's time to get to an amazing episode of Relate. So without further ado, let me please introduce producer Megan Kingery. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Relate. Today's guest is Megan Kingery. Megan, thanks so much for being with us today. Very happy to be here. I'm really happy to have you on the show because you are doing some incredible work within the entertainment industry as a producer of everything. I absolutely love that, <laughs> that you go by that because you really do. You, you know, you look at all, all the work that you've been doing, all the work that you've been up to. And it really is that that's such a great title for you because you really have produced in a wide variety of different mediums. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to have you on the show and to really dive into your career as well as your perspective on the entertainment industry as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for being here. Uh, I'm wondering if you could just share with our listeners just to start off, maybe just to tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you down the producing path that you're pursuing today? Absolutely. I mean, as so many other producers did, I started as a performer and I came to New York in 1999 to, to go to school for performance. And, you know, it, w- one of the things that a drama degree taught me is that I did not want to be a performer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really, um, you know, every production that I did, I, I really just wanted to be, have more um, influence over the entire production. And so one of the things I did at that time was join up with, uh, well, I, I had the extraordinary opportunity to work with uh, the performance group Kiki and Herb, who went on and, and we we uh, did performances at this club called Fez. Um, I was also part of producing a Christmas album with them, uh, with guest stars like Molly Ringwald and Isaac Mizrahi. And, uh, oh, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> it, it, I just some of uh, Kenny Melman and uh, Mix Vivian Bonds are honestly two of the most extraordinary artists I've, I've, I've still to this day worked with. And, uh, you know, they went on to do um, performances on Broadway and many, many repeat concerts at Joe's Pub. And um, that was some of my first taste of producing and really getting to be behind the scenes and to, to make the show happen and to let uh, performers shine and and I just loved it and I loved that part of it so another thing that I did was join up with a, a theater company called, we were called the legitimate theater company very very tongue-in-cheek and we did performances in bars and on the street and you know anywhere that we could find a group of people gathering we would do performance with them so we we brought Shakespeare to bars uh with a show called Twelfth Night the Drinking Game oh nice and <laughs> I, <laughs> I I was a performer in the show and I also uh was was producing the shows and and that was really my training ground was putting up productions with 
zero money uh and and you know in in the early 2000s you could do that there was a lot more um available space to indie theatrical companies and and there were a lot of us back then so uh that that was kind of how i grew up in the business and it it uh it turned out that this was something i was pretty good at so i started working with larger companies i i ended up uh producing the marathon of one act plays with ensemble studio theater which included premieres by david ives working with walter bobby and steve Gurgis, and you know just these monumentally fantastic artists at at 24 25 and um you know, it 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 took a, a pretty circuitous route to get to where I am now, but I, you know, I um, some of what brought me here was working with Blue Man Group for five years, and and uh, you know, Blue Man, in addition to being you know this this wonderful performance art uh, live experience, also was uh, branching out into movies and television and web videos and. And also their first work in print, which was a project I brought to the the founders, and they they let me run with it, and so we we were able to publish that with a major publisher. And <laughs> that's amazing. Which which leads us to today, and you know, I I'm a storyteller. I love to tell stories, and I'm I I just believe in being platform agnostic. I think that the story will tell you what medium it wants to be told in, and whether that's stage or film or television or VR or uh, print or graphic novels, it it will, um, you know, basically all I do is put the right people in a room together and I let them do what they do. But but that <laughs> putting the right people in a room together is harder than you think. <laughs> oh, I, I can only imagine. So, so that, well, exactly. you're re- you're really you're really the one orchestrating all that magic, and it's probably especially when it comes to the yeah, people. Yeah, I mean that's if if you've if you've arranged the right team, you you don't really have to do that much work as a producer. Um, it, it which I guess for for masochistic producers like myself, you're still doing mountains upon mountains of work, but you don't have to be worrying about whether the artistic product is going to be worthwhile. Um, cause we're, you know, looking at things from an eagle eye view of do the numbers make sense? Does the business side make sense? Are, and, and from, you know, the, what any CEO does, which is, are my employees happy and thriving? Are they, is this a good work environment and culture that I've created? Uh, because building something that can last long term takes, a very steady hand. And, and I think that's, that's where, you know, again, just, just having done this from, from, you know, minuscule budgets to multi-million dollar budgets, I'm, I'm able to uh, just be, be nimble and calm depending on where we are and what resources we have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it allows you many opportunities to get creative mm-hmm. and, I actually want to double back a little bit to what you were saying before regarding when you find a piece of work and really as a producer of everything, you have this talent to and skill set to be able to find where certain artistic projects can Mm -hmm. live. 
just given your experience of producing a wide variety of things. So without all of that said, because you produce in a variety of different mediums, how do you choose what to produce for? Mm-hmm. It, it's a mix of it's a mix of the number of things I, you know, sometimes you, and, and I think this relates to the, uh, your, your podcast in general is a lot of what the work that I do is a natural expansion of the relationships I have with artists. And usually when I've, um, fallen in love with a project enough to try to bring money and resources to it, it's an artist that I've developed a relationship with for a long time. And, you know, so, so you'll, some of these are people that I've known for, for decades. And, and some of them are people that, um, you know, I, I meet and seek out and, and say, I know there's something here. Uh, let's try to find the project for it. Cause it's at the end of the day, it's, it's about developing work with people that you like and trust. So, um, part of what, you know, I do with artists is they'll say, well, I'm working on this script, I'm working on this script, or I read this book, and we want to get the rights. And, uh, you know, it, it, they kind of arrive naturally out of out of different conversations. And, you know, or, or they the project kind of comes to me fully fledged. And, um, you know, it, currently, we have a uh, a, a movie that is has has just come to to festivals over the past couple months called The Subject, and this is with a writer director making her debut. But it's also someone that I've known for 15 years because we started in indie theater together. And she came to me and said, um, "I'm making a movie. You want in?" And I said, "Absolutely. I want in on everything you're doing." And it turned out the screenwriter was, uh, you know, this incredible playwright whose work I've known about for, for some years named Chisa Hutchinson. And so, you, you know, it, the, the winding roads that bring a project into reality are super, super twisty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say in an odd way, sometimes it sounds like the stars align in mm-hmm. a certain way that, you know, all these people are involved in and it, it's almost like the right moment at the right time sort of thing. It sounds like as well. Well, it, it, it's uh, opportunity needs preparation, you, you know, is uh, you because you have to be maintaining all of these relationships and conversations pretty steadily. And out of that something pops up really unexpectedly. And, you know, I, I think a lot of part of staying, staying in the game as a producer is just stamina because these things take years to not only come to market, but even just to come to like the beginning, <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, I, yeah. I've been developing uh, a musical based on a documentary. And, and this was, um, something that I knew the executive producer of the documentary who introduced me to the director who said in a very offhand way, you know, our distributor thinks that that this documentary should be a musical. And I said, oh my God, she's absolutely right. And we, so I, I connected with, with this extraordinary woman, Annie Roney, and we've been developing this musical and we're, 
we started the process three years ago and we're, we're, we, it took us this long to arrange the right people. And, and we're grateful to have some um, pretty, pretty heavy hitters on our team, but <laughs> you know, we finding the right people just to get to the beginning part, you know, that, that took three years, but that's how long it took. So it's, it's a lot of stamina. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, a lot of patience and and such too from what from what it sounds like. I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you can walk us through maybe just some of obviously there's a lot involved when it comes to producing something, but I'm wondering <laughs> if you could walk walk us through some of the I guess main elements involved in producing. What is the process like? And I guess specifically mm -hmm. for for our purposes for live performance, because I know we would probably be chatting the whole day if it was for every single medium that you work in. So maybe just <laughs> specific, specific, <laughs> so specifically for live performance, what is that process like? Sure. Well, and the the term producer is is kind of a catch-all that means any number of different things to any number of different people. So what what I do as a producer and what another person does as a producer can can look very very different and that's why that's why people don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I mean I the number of times that people reach out to me and say so what exactly is it that you do and I say well it's a lot of things. Um but in terms of live performance and, and really for, for all the mediums, what it means is, uh, you know, I, I am CEO of the company and, uh, my specialty is really developing projects from the ground up. I, I tend to work, want to work at the very earliest stages of creation and making, putting the team together in place. Um, and so, and also raising the money to do that. So, but what you're doing on one hand is uh, going to investors and talking about how exciting this property is going to be and making a business sales pitch to them as to why you think it could be profitable and, or, you know, trying to put together the team of talent that's going to bring this into fruition. And that's the, in terms of live performance, that's, that's, you usually start with a playwright or a book writer and uh, and build from there. So your playwright and director, sometimes there's an actor attached at the early stages. If it's someone that either is uh, particularly uniquely suited for the show or has some celebrity clout that they can bring uh, and, it, and it's an artistic project that they're interested in committing to and lending their name to. Um, so it's, it's basically, it's team building and it's, uh, you know, business management. Um, and, and that tends to be true no matter what medium you're working in is, um, you know, are, do you have the right people and do they have the resources to execute on what they need to do? And, you know, what's, uh, in, in terms of live performance, I, that it's a range in terms of, what you do for a Broadway musical is pretty different than what you do for something more short term, like a, like a concert or, or a gala ceremony, or, um, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm recently, I was, I was hired to execute an experiential campaign for, um, for, for a bank, for a commercial project. 
but it's a lot of, you know, really keeping all of the plates spinning at one time so that there's not a car crash <laughs> two thirds of the way into the process. And there usually is, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men will, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But you'll, you'll do the best you can. And then maybe it's going to rain on the day that you need to shoot outside. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which goes back to what you were saying before about producers needing a lot of stand, stamina to, to get through all of that, I'm sure. It, it's really, a, it's, a, it's just about staying power. <laughs> Can you uh, just not go crazy with uh, all of the ups and downs that you're going to experience? And I think that that's a lot of where the stereotype of, of the, you know, like manic stressed out money guy who's yelling at everybody comes from because those people certainly exist but i i like to think we're 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 phasing that out right right and i guess with all of that said why is it that you tend to gravitate towards being uh very early in the developmental process of a production what is it that piques your Mm -hmm. interest about different shows that then lead you to want to produce them is it just the people as you said before is it i guess a wide variety of different things that go into it yeah I, the, the three major pillars are um you know and this is so it, i'll put in some of my my general philosophy is i i want to work in commercial theater i want to work in theater that reaches a really wide variety of people and uh, and particularly theatrical projects that are very deeply personal and meaningful and 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 also represent the values that I have as a person of you know is does it have a um, unique, diverse, and artistic creative team is is it um, you if you think of it as a restaurant, you know, are all the ingredients that you've put into this project? of the highest quality and representing who you are as a person. And I think that that's part of why I'm attracted to things at the early stage, because I, I want to know that what I'm putting out into the world and what audiences are consuming really represents my, my values as a human being. And I think um, focusing on stories of, of, of curiosity and, family and you know I mean one of the first uh um one of the things that I they also do is is bring financing to larger projects that are later in development like like Broadway shows and and two of the um more recent ones are Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 and um Fun Home and Hand to God and and all of those were so unique and artistic and had, uh, you know, teams attached that were just truly extraordinary and, and meaningful. And, and so, you know, some of it is wanting to make sure that, that I'm supporting artists that I want to have a long creative life. So, <laughs> it's, I, you know, again, it, it sounds like a pretty wide variety of things, but it really comes down to, to, to people and, and the topics they're interested in. You know, I'm not going to be excited about everything that a certain artist does, but I'm probably, but if I like the artist, I'll probably be excited about a lot of what they're doing. But I also have to look at 
the numbers and whether they make sense to investors. And sometimes, you know, we know it's a high risk and we go in anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure it's tough to figure out that balance <laughs> too of of figuring out, uh, you know, of the, that risk assessment as to whether to move forward with a show or pursue a show that is of interest to you. Do you find that sometimes that's a very difficult decision? Um, not, uh, yes and no. I, you know, I think a, a lot of the, um, I, I tend to have a very high opinion of audiences. I think they um, are interested in new and unique work. And, uh, you know, so it's, uh, some of it depends on, on the lead producer and making sure that they're, if they're spending money wisely, um, I, I do think that there's a way to bring exciting and artistic work to market in a responsible way. Um, it, it doesn't always work out like that, obviously. And, and you have to, but I, I don't know that there's been a show that, I've turned down purely on the numbers, yeah, you, you know, yeah. it, it's, um, it's, uh, and, and some of it is a, a lot of the, the producers that are, I think, working with um, newer and exciting artists and, and, and more unique stories. Uh, you know, we, we do have to make things on more of a shoestring in general. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you, you, you know, it, it's, uh, I, um, you know, if I really, really believe in something, I I will just try to be a force for good in trying to make the numbers work if if they don't. And it's um for for Broadway, you know, there's this saying, you can't make a living, but you can make a killing. You you can you can make a a, a decent amount of money um on on Broadway, but the you know the number of times I've made a purely financial play, I've usually regretted it. And the number of times that I've made um, a balanced investment with both my belief in the material and the numbers, I, I always feel great about it. So, so knowing that, that's what I try to do most of the time. Yeah, and it goes back to what you said before. I'm sure that a a show or product really that you believe in, you're going to feel much better about that. I think in the long run, I'm, I'm wondering. Too. With that said, do you have a, and given all the mediums that you produce in, do you have a favorite medium that you produce in? <laughs> well, I, you know, stage, stage is my home. Um, that's, uh, I love live performance. I think there's nothing um, comparable to it. I, uh, it's one of, one of the mediums that I personally consume the most. Um, but so, so I, I'd probably go back to that, but, but I also, um, I, you know, I, I love some of the ways in which newer technology is allowing for the more rapid production of, uh, of movies and, and VR and other things. I, I, I also, I think I have to give out a special shout out to graphic novels, which is another medium that, um, is something that I personally consume a lot and love and, and don't get to do as much of it as I, as I want to. Um, but, uh, cause it, it, it is a little bit more challenging on a financial level, or at least it has been for me. Uh, but it's, 
whenever I find a way that there's a way to to bring in really cool illustrators on a project, I it just makes me super happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it must be so amazing too, working in a variety of different mediums. It really gives you the opportunity to work with a wide variety of different types of artists. And, and so I imagine that that must be very exciting mm -hmm. as well. Absolutely. And, and, um, you know, bringing in my, my theater people along with me into these different mediums is, is something that, that I love. I'm, I'm really, um, into theater people making money. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's important. And, and uh, there's not uh, always a great way to do that in theater. <laughs> so if if there are um, ways that I can um, find a project that has some financial backing and and bring my theatrical people to the table as well, that that's something I always try to do. I could tell as you're talking about just all your experiences, I could really tell Megan that you really love producing a lot. <laughs> it, it's great. It's like I could you could feel the, you know, even though, we're, you know, we're just just talking like you feel the, the energy from you as you talk about producing. And I, I'd love to hear You've talked a little bit about this through our conversation so far, but I'm wondering if you get to dive deeper as to what, why is it that you love producing so much? And maybe if you could share like mm -hmm. a, a memorable story or two with our listeners that maybe helps support that, uh, why you love it so much. Because <laughs> we're, we're all about storytelling. Right. Yeah. No, no, I know. It's, I mean, it really takes a special kind of masochist to love producing. So <laughs> I don't know that I could give you a story that translates super well, but, um, let me think of it. I mean, you know, the, I think recently working with, um, uh, you know, my, my colleague Lanny Zapoy on the subject was just the most extraordinary con, uh, uh, time. And it's, it's, um, you know, the, this extraordinary script about a, uh, a, a fictional documentary filmmaker who, um, films the, the violent death of, of a young black teenager and is, is, you know, coming to terms later on with the consequences of having exploited that 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 violent moment and it's become over the past several weeks you know this is something that was was written by Chisa I believe seven years ago it's something that we shot two years ago and and we had uh had our premiere in the Art of Brooklyn Festival um just days after the the national protest began for Black Lives Matter, and it it it's become this very meaningful project. I mean, it's always been a meaningful project, but the fact that we had created something that was made really, really true to our values, and that is now so incredibly relevant in the national conversation in terms of uh, you know how. America is viewing black pain 
Um, and it, it, I'm making it sound like a much, I, I, I might say heavier film than it is. It, it also has these just wonderfully intimate and funny moments as all the, all the best films do. But it, it, that, that was a really exciting moment of just material and timing, uh, come together in, in a way that we, we just couldn't expect at all. Um, I think another, so, you know, it's, it's like you get to see the ways in which the projects that you do influence people, not even at the time that you make them, but years down the road. And, and that's part of the foresight that as a producer, you have to try and have is, okay, knowing that this is going to take five to seven years to make, what do I think is going to be relevant and meaningful in five to seven years? Um, and so, so, so those, those are some of the, the moments that, that we get to have as, as producers is, is, is having work that is just really vital and relevant and meaningful. And, you know, and, and it's, it's sometimes that's with a project that's really light and funny and a comedy. I, I love, I, you know, I think you can tell incredibly meaningful stories through comedy and, uh, and and sometimes it's it's through drama, uh, so y yeah, you know, I we're our head is still spinning a little bit. We're we're in the process of um, bringing the film to buyers, and and uh, also, you know, obviously the the film festival world has been turned on its head very very much. But we're hoping that there may be some live live events later in the fall or, or they'll remain virtual, but um, you know, we've, we've already been awarded. We've been in two festivals so far and have been awarded with best, best picture for both oh, of them. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. And thank you. You know, we're, we're just kind of, I, you know, you, you make things hoping that this will happen and then it does, but you're still pretty stunned. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 wonderful, and you know, with with moments like Great Comet, um, I I went to undergrad with Rachel Chavkin, the director, and um, we 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 both uh, came out of that with with Tony nominations, and you know, so so seeing someone that, and we're actually from the same uh, county in Maryland. Oh, so, that's so, so funny. We had cro cross paths at you know Nat thespian competitions etc <laughs> <laughs> um but uh you, you know so so see working with people that you've known for a long long time and and starting to make work that is is recognized on either the broadway stage or the the national film level is um there's nothing like it it's it's beautiful and and getting to work with artists and, and realize their work is um, uh, you, you, do, you don't honestly get to do it that much as a developmental producer. You can develop projects a lot with the best of intentions and they don't always come to fruition. But when they, when they do, it's, it's just uh, to, to me, there, there's no feeling that equals that, but the, the work that goes into it is like, so um both boring and difficult. <laughs> <laughs> that I, you know, it, 
Yeah, I it you know, it's one of those I I can't like super solidly recommend this to people as a life choice unless you absolutely can't do anything else, but um you, you know, I I I do also there there's there's a new crop of uh young exciting um like women producers that are that are coming up the pike also that are really passionate about bringing their values to commercial work and and it's it's an exciting time to to be a producer i think um even with our industry you know being punched in the gut in the way that it has been (laughs) yeah yeah well it's i i'm confident that whenever things do reopen or or things Mm -hmm. you know improve that I'm I'm a firm believer that people are going to want to go back to the theater to oh, have yeah. you yeah. know live experiences. Yes, maybe it will take some time, but it's such a a visceral experience and as a producer you have really this huge hand in in the creation of this experience for audience that is really inspiring. So I just want to thank you for for being a producer because, like you said, there's, you. A, there's a lot of people out there that that probably wouldn't want to to do all the things that are involved with producing. So I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that despite the current circumstances, I think that we are at a very exciting time, and that there's going to be some exciting work down the down the pike. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've been working um, on, on a new project uh, with with this just really extraordinary um, creative producer, Glenn Cleary, who I, I know you've, you've also reached out to as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So she'll, she'll be on the podcast also. And we've been developing an immersive concept and our, um, you know, it, it's, we're, we're still, I'd, I'd say about 18 months away from go to market live, but we're we're seeing what the other options are for us in terms of bringing bringing this property to market and it's it's a time when creative people can be really creative about how they're approaching and i i think it's um you know not i i i, I want to be mindful in in terms of the the fact that this has been a massive loss of income not not just to uh, the the larger folks like the the theater owners and and the established producers, but the uh, performers are really really hurting, um, and the people that make a living from from live theater, such as you know bartenders and the people that work the merch table and the people that work at the theater. That this is, I, I don't want to make light of. Um, what what they're having to go through in terms of financial instability right, but right. it's it's also um you know i think for people that can be creative about how we're bringing live theater to market it's it's a pretty exciting time a lot of uh folks are willing to break the rules in ways that they haven't before and we're we're going to see a lot of um fun experiments i think <laughs> In, in terms of you know what what is live theater beyond live theater um or you know zoom calls in your living room <laughs> right yeah well it'll be it'll be exciting to see the evolution for sure 
Mm-hmm. So much of what we we talk about on this podcast, and w- you know what we've brought up multiple times, is the importance of people and building relationships, and mm-hmm. why that's so crucial. I, I believe for our well being and our happiness. And I'm wondering if you could share with us just how you believe your professional experience in producing has helped you better relate and communicate with people. I, honestly, it, it's um, I've a, a lot of the work that I've done to be a better human being. I've been able to do in the professional realm first. Um, you know, like setting setting healthy boundaries and having clear communication, and you know, it, when you're, um, I mean, I, you know, I, I think. Just if, if you're a producer, you need to have some way to take care of your well-being and your mental health. And um, not every producer does that. I mean, you know, not every CEO does that. And we, we definitely all should. Um, but, you know, you communication and clear communication with people is, to me, the most important piece of bringing something successfully to market and it it's i i'm i'm glad that we're beginning to see a time when people see it as a financial necessity in addition to maybe just a fun extra um you know you you have to be having clear and professional boundaries with your employees you need to make sure that you know we're we're an industry that hasn't had an hr department ever and uh, theater owners are starting to see, and and you know, commercial producers are starting to see the need for that. We need some infrastructure. We need to be able to take um, clear action when there is um, when 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 something happens, when when there are sort of devastating misunderstandings or um, harassment. Uh, things like that, you know, we, we need to be able to protect our people and make sure that safety and um, care is really paramount. And, and certainly that's, that's being talked about a lot in, in all of uh, the, the national conversations that are happening around um, how we talk to one another and how we treat one another. So, uh, cause it's, you, you know, e- even if it's just uh, sort of me saying, you know, hey Pat, I I need you to to make sure that this debt goes up by, um, like we have to get this done by by 5 a.m. tomorrow. That that can come out a number of different ways. And what you might hear is, um, like I'm not doing enough. I don't have the resources. You're forcing me to do work I don't need to do. Whereas I'm I'm just like trying to look at a, a deadline. And those types of miscommunications can lead to really concrete devastating actions of of the work not being good and hurt feelings and all of that. So I um yeah, I mean I'm I'm definitely by no means a perfect person in this regard, but I do try to take care of my personal well-being as best I can. Um through you know, meditation and and therapy and just internal reflection. Um it, it's really important. And I think the, um, the, the corporate world is talking about this a lot more in, in terms of wellness, but I, I think our, our artists, oddly enough, 
um, can can still be stuck in the idea that being exhausted and overworked means you're a better artist. Whereas um, I, I don't think that model is sustainable and workable anymore. Uh, so the, the people that I work with and try to connect with are also have that philosophy of, of how are we taking care of ourselves and each other? Do I have the ability to be very candid and honest with the people I work with when I think that they're not um, living true to their values or, or the values that I like to work with. And, and that's, that's been a really long road <laughs> to, to get there. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, to go off your, your point, it is, it's so important that at least people are now having conversations about it because mm-hmm. at least I'm a big believer that if you take care of yourself and you really practice that self-care, you're able to put your best foot forward when working with others. And mm-hmm. as we've known from our conversation and, and talking with you is that producing, especially for live performance, but I think in, in any medium that people are really at the heart of it. And I know you've talked before about the importance of, of really taking on a project. A lot of it is the people who are involved. Why Mm -hmm. do you believe meaning meaningful relationships are so important in this industry? Do you feel that it is because a lot of the focus is on like, I guess the human condition? Um, you know, I, I don't. I I actually don't know that it has as much to do with um, the the type of artistic work that we're we're making, and and more so about like the the physical way and the physical realities of how we have to make it. You know, we're we're in dusty rooms together for long periods of time, um, and you know, even there can be really long days. People get super cranky. Um, it's uh, you know, I, I think it's um, what one of the things I like to tell the the young people that I mentor is, you know, don't assume um, bad intentions on the people that you work with, but do assume that everyone hasn't had lunch and hasn't had a good sleep in at least two weeks. So, you know, <laughs> that's good. That's good advice. I like it, that. It's, it's, it's actually, you know, it kind of, um, if you go into the idea that if, if someone is short with you or upset with you, that they, like, they might actually just be hungry. Um, it, <laughs> it can salvage a lot of relationships. Um, you know, and I, I have a very strict, like, um, you know, no, no emails if I'm hungry, like no emails at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good i i should start following that that's a good idea it, it takes a lot of discipline but I, I promise it's worth it um and you know for for days when i'm on set you know i i will even go to uh production assistants and basically give them a whole bunch of those little almond butter packets and say if i start being an asshole just put one of these in my hand and walk away <laughs> It's, oh, that's it's, great. Um, I love that. You know, we're, uh, I, I'm certainly not the best at taking care of myself at all, but um, it's, it's, it's of just total, you know, th- this is a really, this is a marathon industry. We, we have to, we have to both sprint and run a marathon, I think at the same time. Um, 
for for years. And so, you know, this idea of stamina is just so important. And, um, you know, being with people that are taking care of of your well-being and knowing that you're a human and that things are going to happen and come up um, is is yeah you know there's there's nothing else that we can do we're um and and I, I I do think I I have a lot of optimism in terms of that our industry is go is going to be gravitating towards producers that have the care of their artists and collaborators in mind um be, just because it's it's a waste of money it's a waste of time and money if you're not you know, it's it's kind of uh, if you can't do it for philanthropic reasons, you can do it for financial reasons. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that, that's that's such a great philosophy to have in mind. Um, but yeah, you know, I I um I, I actually think a lot of the um myths about the artist can can honestly be really harmful. Um, you know, there's this idea that good art is is comes out of chaos and pain and and i just don't believe that um and having been on sets and been on productions where you're working on really heavy stuff or really really funny stuff um i have a much better time and i think all the artists have a much better time if um you know there have to be deadlines and dedication and a real and really strong focus but People can do that if they're like paid and taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> that's, you know, I have this weird idea that that's, that's the way to do things, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. It's, it's so important though. I think especially in the entertainment industry where the hours can be mm -hmm. super long and long days for, for weeks it it is important mm -hmm. that we really approach one another with with care and with love i i think that 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 sort of behavior really lasts a long a lasts a long time and well it has the potential to really mm -hmm. preserve i guess this the stamina from what you were saying earlier to to really work all of those years you know over and over again mm -hmm. when it's infused with care and love i feel like it's much more sustainable and and boundaries you, you know it's it's i i, I do think it's uniquely in, uh, difficult in our industry because you know, sometimes we have to get undressed in front of each other in really close quarters and there's just no other way to do it. You know, there there are a lot of um, sort of difficult physical realities about the way that we work. Uh, and and there is um, like in, intimacy that, that can be, um, you know, there's not many other professions where you might be called upon to um, hire two people that like make fall in love and make out and and possibly become intimate and then everyone stands around watching them I, there's one other industry that's <laughs> not, not ours but um you, you know it it's uh there are it is really difficult to make sure that everyone feels safe in in that environment and and now that there are folks like in, um intimacy choreographers and and uh people that can 
be present to ensure the the physical and emotional safety of actors um, and and everyone in that environment is is to me really exciting. Well, and I th- I think that sort of energy when there's a positive energy in the room, mm-hmm. I I, th- I I'm a I'm a big believer that that it everyone is able to work much more efficiently and and mm-hmm. productively. I, yeah. Um, you know, cause it, it's just like, you are not going to have to work hard to create chaos. <laughs> the chaos will come. The chaos is gonna be there because, you know, making movies and live entertainment is, um, just <laughs> the world will provide the chaos. If you can create a stable structure, you know, it's like, basically you have, you have to build a house that's going to you know, uh, withstand a hurricane, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just make sure the foundation is there. The wind is going to blow and it's not up to you when and how it comes. (laughs) Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Megan, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the relate podcast today. I, I not only appreciate you coming out on the show, but also, I, I really appreciate the work that you do a lot. The care that you bring to your producing is something that I'm I'm very excited to see more people doing. As as we discussed, hopefully, you know, this is the direction that the industry is going, where we do have producers like yourself who are really creating an environment that is supportive, that is caring, and to use your words. A, a stable structure and foundation for the rest of the creative team to work productively. And so I, I just, I really appreciate the work that you do as a producer as well. Thank you. That's so kind. Thank you. Before heading out, I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners where they could find out more about you and your work. Sure. Uh, well, if you head to uh, megankingry.com or POE Global. Uh, so producer of everything is the name of my company. So, so Poe Global, P-O-E Global um, is my website. And uh, I'm not so active on social media, but you can find me on, you can find a lot of pictures of my cats on Instagram <laughs> at, at uh, Megan Sarah Kay. <laughs> Great. Well, I'll make sure to include the links to those. So for our listeners out there, I highly recommend checking out Megan and her work. You could scroll down in the show notes and click those links provided. So Megan, I have one last question for you. Mm -hmm. How can we as a society better relate to one another? Well, that I mean, that's the million dollar question. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I always save it for last. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, you know, I I think one of one of the biggest um, sea changes in terms of my approach to life has has come through uh, having, I think, what is best called a spiritual path. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, you know, I, I'm, um, I have a Jewish upbringing, um, and, and I, I still engage culturally, but I, um, I engage with meditation, uh, current, currently I'm doing meta meditation, um, which is loving kindness meditation. Um, I've, I've studied with Sharon Salzberg and 
Will Cabot Zinn through uh, the, this this beautiful community called the Path, and you know, finding a group of people that you can talk about your what is easiest to call your spirit or your soul, whatever you know philosophical approach you have you have to life. Um, you know, it's you need to do a lot of the inner work if you're going to have enough stamina to do the the physical work of of fulfilling your dreams and working as an artist so um for for me a lot of that path has revolved around meditation but um and and the different uh styles and practices of meditation but it it's it it can be different for everybody but but finding some kind of spiritual practice i think um is is something that every human can certainly do and if you have some spare time right now why don't why don't you <laughs> just check some things out i if you want an easy approach uh the the headspace app is just is really fantastic um it's it's very concrete um as is you know there's calm there's journey there's there's all these great apps that that you can download to to check it out that wasn't a short answer, but <laughs> no, no, that that's great. I, I the the shout outs for for headspace and calm, like I, it's you're absolutely right though. It's important to have that sort of uh, check in with yourself, whether it be you know some sort of spiritual practice as as you were saying, and it, it really allows us to better connect and relate to ourselves, and then I feel like then better be able to relate to others as well. So. Megan, thank you so much again. Absolutely. This has been a treat. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Relate. You can let me know your thoughts on this episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. Or if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.